welcome to a special bonus episode of Mon Men. This is the much-previewed Fan Theory episode. Uh, quick note, this is going to be a bit of a mini-episode. Uh, we'll be back next week with a full episode of Mon Men going through the Nidoran family and the Clefairy families. And then after that, we'll be going to a consistent bi-weekly schedule. Um, but I'm here with Michael Darling. And I'm here with Yanago Baloo. To talk through some of our favorite paternal Pokemon theories. It's an episode we're calling, Who's Your Daddy? I approve that message. <laughs> so to start with, I'd like to uh, kind of draw a distinction between two things, is that there is a continuity of sorts between the video games that we've talked about and the TV show that we reference a lot in the sense that the main character of the original, original Game Boy game, Red, who canonically is the Pokemon champion original, yeah. is a different character than Ash. Um, and that Ash lives in the same world that Red does, just much later than the events of the Game Boy game take place. Or supposedly, and there's some kind of parallel universe thing going on, that may be a separate... Oh yeah, they introduced parallel universes in, I think, Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire, and then again in Sun and Moon, and it's... Uh, yeah, ultra versions. Yeah, but I don't think they've ever directly... Well, they've never directly addressed Ash within the games. However, what's very strange is in one of the areas in Sun and Moon, in this abandoned thrifty Megamart where you're trying to find the ghost and fairy type Pokemon Mimikyu, if you look while using your Poke Finder to do uh, photography, you'll see on a wall in a background like a photo of Ash and Pikachu. And it's the only time they've made a direct reference to the show in the games, other than like having Jesse and James be part of Team Rocket or stuff like that. But to directly have like something from the show in the games has never been done before, other than that one weird Easter egg. Yeah, so we could be dealing with a multiverse type of thing, but the main reason I bring this up to start the episode is that we're going to be talking about paternal theories for two different characters, and I just want to make sure we're distinct on who they are. The first one is going to be Red, the original Pokemon champion. Yeah. From early Who's Game you? Boy games. You are Red in the original games. Mm -hmm. and then, then you fight Red and Gold and Silver, and again in Sun and Moon. But then we'll also be discussing a Pokemon, some Pokemon fan theories with Ash and some correlated sort of story theories around that as well. So starting with Red's dad, my favorite theory, and I've referenced this already, is that Red's dad, because of the Pokemon War that's referenced, you know, the general assumption is, and this is well, let's get let's get into the war first because. Lieutenant Surge mentions that his Raichu saved his life during the war, which we know Lieutenant Surge is the, quote, fighting American. Yeah, so we've had references to a great war that Pokemon were involved in and that Charizard was obviously a war criminal within. So we can assume that also when you walk around the Pokemon Red World, and this is a detail I didn't pick up on until I read this theory by other people, um, that you don't really see too many able-bodied adult men in the Pokemon world in the original games. You see a lot of fat men, you see a lot of older men, but yeah. for the most part, 30-something-year-old middle-aged men are very rare. They're all either young adults that would have been not, that aren't Lieutenant Surge's age, or on the old side and incapable of having participated. Or they're scientists who probably got exemption from the draft. Yeah, because they were uh, trying to find devious ways to use poison types. Yeah, so the prevailing theory that I've always liked in terms of Red's dad is that Red's dad did go off to join the war and become a subsequent Pokemon trainer, Pokemon master, so he never came back home after fighting in the war. Um, but he did feel guilty about that, and he did hear that his son back from Pallet Town 
uh, was going off to become a Pokemon trainer. And so he's the guy that waits for you at every single gym and calls you champ in the making to try to make up for that lost fatherhood, to try to guide you on a journey that he can at least identify with you on, even as a stranger. So I've always I've always loved that theory. So your theory is that the gym guide, as he's commonly known, is Red's dad. Yes. Now here's a question, is that there are gym guides throughout all the other regions. Are you suggesting that they're their dads of the, well, the dads of the respective regional protagonists? And follow-up, what's interesting is that We've got kind of inverse of how we never see mothers in Disney movies. In Pokemon, you only ever have one protagonist dad. That is Norman, who is in Ruby and Sapphire, and he's a normal type gym leader who you fight. Like you see him early on in the game, and then you meet up with him again later to battle him in the gym. And he's the only protagonist dad you see. I mean, I think the ultimate value in the theory is just the fact that do you feel the need to project fatherhood on one of these characters and how much fatherhood is there really in these games where you are a 12-year-old boy venturing out into the world to go on these adventures? And, I mean, the alternative is that you look at Professor Oak as the fatherhood figure, when really he's more of a uh, dippy, less effective Alfred the butler. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, all the Pokemon professors are that way. Like, they make their living allegedly researching Pokemon, but really it's like, I've got this Pokedex. Here you go. Fill it in for me. So I like the fact that you have this guy who's actually giving you useful advice and intel on each of the gym leaders in case you didn't have the internet to look up that that Brock is a rock Pokemon trainer. Um, and he could give you some tips on which type beats that. Hmm. Um, you know, he's a lot more useful than Professor Oak, who just shoves you out the door so he can... Well, we'll get back to Professor Oak and his motivations there in the Ash fatherhood theory section. But, oh, that reminds me. I can't remember if it's in red and blue or gold and silver, but there's one gym where the guide is at, like, the game corner, and he's otherwise distracted, and he's just like, oh, yeah, uh, they use this type. Because uh, he's too busy playing the slots, like the deadbeat dad he is. Uh, and... Yeah, and he's not there at the gym itself, which is hilarious to me, and I love that little detail. Like, this guy's got a rich inner life as well. It's not about you. And, I mean, speaking to the fact that Pokemon were used as weapons in the war, there's also the idea that, well, wouldn't there be sort of Pokemon arms racing um, in this universe where they are weapons, just like there are, is arms development, arms testing, and arms racing in our universe? Well, the truth of the matter is, is that I do think that does happen, and that's absolutely plays into the theory of Mewtwo yep. and where Mewtwo comes from and then also ties into one of the theories about Ash's fathers I just like the idea that the war ended they locked away the like A-bomb basically in a cave mm -hmm. and then some 12 year old god is running around with it yeah, well, I mean, it's not even that they locked it away in the cave. It's that they lost control of it. You know, they mm -hmm. lost it's, uh, it's a hunt for Red October type of situation. <laughs> so, I mean, I, you know, you look at the prevailing, all the information that we're given on Mewtwo, that this is a scientifically created Pokemon, the clone of an original super powerful psychic Pokemon. Yeah. And this is just 100% driven by arms racing, in my opinion, weapons development. It is a Pokemon developed and tested as a weapon. And so one of the weird theories and... Darling, I'll let you take the lead on this one. Uh, Ash's father, if you could go into the first of the possibilities, and we'll let the listeners decide. So it's believed that Mr. Fuji was participating in the Mewtwo experiment to try to clone his dead daughter, Amber. This we know. So, what I'm going to float to you is, well, 
Let's take Ashcats from here. Ashcats seems like a normal 12-year-old, but we've seen that he can lift incredibly heavy Pokemon. We've seen him withstand frequent lightning attacks from Pikachu. He's gotten attacked by other Pokemon in various ways. So I'm going to float a theory. What if Ash is a human-Pokemon hybrid? Now you might be asking yourself, which Pokemon specifically? Well, you ever notice? Ash doesn't have a father around. But his mom, his mom has a Mr. Mime. Mr. Mime, who is constantly present, constantly on their family vacations, even holds her hand when they're riding on a, or I guess, what was it, Tauros-drawn carriage, something like that. I'm not suggesting Mr. Mime is the father, but the evidence is there, people. The evidence is there. I mean, I think the one counterpoint I would make to that, and I love this theory, but I'm going to play devil's advocate here and say, do you You're not think Pacino. That, that if Ash were the son of a psychic Pokemon, that he would be nearly as much of a dumbass as he is? Well, counterpoint, have you seen Mr. Mime? Touche. Counterpoint, counterpoint dropped, folks. So, if the white clown glove fits. And, you know, this actually reminds me of another uh, instance where we have a protagonist of a story sort of uh, being the result of this kind of genetic testing. And it's a weird, it's a, this is a weird one, but Batman Beyond. Um, I don't know if you remember right, that. Yeah. Uh, Terry McGinnis, it is actually revealed after the show ended. Yeah, in um, Justice League, they revealed this. They revealed that he is the clone or a, a tested clone of Bruce Wayne. Yeah, they replaced, God, this is about to get very nerdy, even for a Pokemon podcast. <laughs> Uh, what happened was that the government realized we always need a Batman, and so what they did was they basically took Batman's DNA, somehow spliced it into his, Terry McGinnis's dad, uh, so that when uh, Terry's mom got pregnant, it was with Bruce Wayne's DNA, and yeah. So talking about Bruce Wayne does relate to another figure in the Pokemon universe. Does it? That is a candidate for Ash's father. Um, and this could just be a spiritual thing. Maybe he was just the financial backer who is monetarily Ash's father for funding the experiments by Mr. Fuji. But maybe he actually contributed a little bit of uh, human gamete to be able to facilitate Mr. Mime's DNA. Um, in which case, I, I, and I like this theory also, Giovanni, the Earth gym leader, the head of Team Rocket, this could have been this could have been him funding early experimentation into human Pokemon hybrids that led to Mewtwo. So assuming the sub theory is correct, how disappointed do you think he was with the results? Uh, disappointed enough that he never looked his son in the eye. <laughs> <laughs> he's like uh, he's like Lawrence Olivier in that '78 remake of the Jazz Singer, just like I have no son. Like that that gym leader. I think the only thing he ever gave his son was an Earth badge. <laughs> Well, not even in the game, well, in the show, because, like, Giovanni skips town, and it's Team Rocket who's running the gym. Oh, like yeah. Like, it's Jesse and James, right. yeah. He ne he literally never looks his son in the eye. Yeah. And uh, do you blame him? No. No, I'm with GMO and Giovanni on this one. Hashtag Team Giovanni. Yeah, and there's a lot of uh, nuance to Giovanni in the games, especially, um, where, you know, he's... The theory prevails that in Pokemon's Red and Blue, the original generation... He's at least trying to fix his mistakes with Mewtwo. Um, hence, Team Rocket trying to steal the Sylph Scope. They're trying to catch a ghost Pokemon to that has a chance against Mewtwo. And, you know, what you're doing is you're just stopping Giovanni from at least fixing his mistakes through that mm -hmm. game. But then his appearances in later games kind of bespeak this sort of 
self-inflicted uh, exile. Yeah. Um, yeah, because in Heart Gold and Soul Silver, there was a like event exclusive thing where you had to get like a special item from a real world event, and you could encounter Giovanni in a cave, just kind of hiding in exile. Mm-hmm. But then in Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon, he's back with a vengeance, and he's created like the the uh, the Legion of Doom of the Pokemon universe, where he's just gotten in touch with the villains from every other game, but like they were successful in their dimension, so now they're all teaming up as Team Rainbow Rocket. Mm-hmm. It's up to you, the protagonist, to stop them because they're doing whatever it is they do. So, Game Freak, if you could make Pokemon Star the addition to Pokemon Sun and Moon's generation, <laughs> a Giovanni-focused linear saga, I would be so down with that. But there's one last theory we're going to talk through today, and again, this is a super short mini-sode the last theory for Ash's parentage, or any other Pokemon trainer's parentage for that matter, every protagonist that we see, is none other than Professor Oak. What? So this is my theory, and I think that this is why Professor Oak never knows your name, never knows the name of any of his grandsons in any of these games, because I think there are, what, four generations of games that pass through Professor Oak before... Uh, well, no, he shows up in Red and Blue... Uh, as obviously, mm-hmm. uh, then he's in there in Gold and Silver. But Professor Elm is the professor of note. Oak is just there because you know it's a sequel. Uh, he's got a radio show now because he's a big celebrity. Uh, and then his cousin, the like dark-skinned Samuel Oak, who looks exactly the same except for like dark skin and long white hair, he's chilling in the Alola region, just like show me your Alolan types and I'll compare them to Kanto types. So then maybe it's just the fact that these are the, it's the professors in these cases, but I think that's why they never know their own grandson's names. They're just <laughs> such players that they don't keep track. They lose count. You know, you know I mean? they're like Screaming Jay Hawkins, who allegedly had 75 children. Yeah, and I kid you not, like aside from like the, this being my personal explanation for why Professor Oak doesn't know his own grandson's name, it is in the TV show that Ash calls his mom at one point, and Professor Oak just happens to be in the house, and Ash, like, is astonished by it. He actually reacts <laughs> the way all of us would if there were a middle-aged man just <laughs> hanging at home with our moms and, like, jumping on the video phone to talk to us. And Professor Oak just ignores his surprise and just says, well, you need to do this to prepare for the Pokemon League, and it just never gets addressed again. But the show definitely even hit on that moment in Ash's scripting that, like, yes, it's very weird that you're home alone <laughs> with my mom at night, Professor Oak. <laughs> well, okay, to be fair, there are only, like, five people in all of Palatown. Yeah, and three of them left to be Pokemon trainers, exactly. four including Ash. But, again, that's my point, is that yeah. Professor Oak just went and cleared house so he could just have the end. <laughs> <laughs> so, wait, so are you suggesting that he's the father, or he's just trying to get with Delia Ketchum? If... Slash is getting with Delia Ketchum. Look at what a dummy Ash is. And again, this is a town of five people. This kid managed in a town of five people to show up late for his Pokemon that morning. And Professor Oak said, oh no, you're getting out of this town and going on your adventure. You're taking this Pikachu, who Professor Oak in the first episode said, this is a dangerous ass Pokemon. Even an experienced trainer would have trouble with it, but I need yeah, it's you. Yeah, no to, duck with stick. But I need you to hit the road. Yeah, 
Professor Oak probably would have even given him duck with stick and just been like, oh, Delia, poor, poor Ash died. <laughs> he didn't know how to fight with duck with stick. <laughs> I mean, duck with stick needs those, like, HMs. It needs cut and fly. That's when it becomes useful. Yeah, duck with stick is, like, new game plus, like, extreme difficulty mode. <laughs> you do like a Nuzlocke run where you just use duck with stick. I feel like because it holds the stick, it should have an extra weakness to fire-type Pokemon. <laughs> like, on top of, like, the flying-type weaknesses, it should also be extra susceptible to fire because the stick can catch See, on here's the thing, though. But then it's got a torch that it can use to burn things. Including itself, because it's clutching that thing right up against the side of its face. I'm sure it's smart enough to eventually... Like, in... Gold and silver, we see that it works at a a little store where they make charcoal. Like, that's what the duck with sticks, or farfetch as they're properly known, uh, are employed to do. They're employed to cut things down, hold that stick, and turn it into charcoal. You see, I'm going to take a moment just to point out that I was smiling so broadly when Darling caught himself realizing that he's been referring to it as duck with stick <laughs> for the past, like, five minutes. My victory is complete. I also got distracted by the fact that picturing Duck with Stick's stick catching on fire right by the side of its face, I then pictured, like, its evolved form, which would be Two-Faced Duck with Stick. Because I have to tie it back to Batman somehow. <laughs> We've already brought up Alfred and Batman Beyond. Like, yeah, there you go. It's yeah, a nice yeah. triplicate. All th the rule of three for comedy, darling. <laughs> so, Will we have anything to talk about when we actually get to Farfetch'd on the podcast? I really hope not. <laughs> <laughs> I really hope that we just are able to say, well, today's Duck with Stick. It's a short episode that we just move on. Because <laughs> it's Duck with Goddamn Stick. If people are gonna be, if people are not going to be surprised by my take on, duck, take on Duck with Stick. He is a duck with a stick. But you know what? Okay, Welcome I'll... to the special bonus Duck with Stick episode of the pod. Okay, I'll do something special for the mini-sode right now, um, especially because I've kind of done this with previous episodes where I've tried to make Mon Appetit a little bit more creatively challenging. I promise, despite the fact that Duck with Stick is already chilling out with his own seasoning for his own stew, I will show up to the Duck with Stick episode of the pod, and I will not cook Duck with Stick. I will eat something else, and I have no idea what it's surrounded by in the Pokedex and what we're going to have on that episode. God, I hope it's like wheezing or something. Oh, I'll find a way. I will find <laughs> a way. Um, but that being said, thanks for joining us for our first uh, bonus episode. We'll have more to come. We do have some other fan theories we want to kick around. We do have some other general world thoughts on Pokemon that we want to discuss. But, but for now... But like that forgotten Seth Green, Giovanni Ribasi sitcom, we wanted to talk about dads. Yep, dads and a lot of duck with stick. Um, so thanks for joining us. Uh, I'm Inata Blue. I'm Michael Darling. And this was Mon Men. It's the time of the season When love runs high In this time Give it to me easy And let me try With pleasured hands To take you in the side